0: Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Open Mic Friday, February the 19th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and because we are not in the studio, you're unable to phone me, but you can email me, and that's at lawandgospel at lawgospel101.com. And we are getting a number of Emails. Uh, This particular one uh, came, well, it came just this week. Prayer request. Please pray for one of my clients who sent me this note last night. If I'm not awake tomorrow, check on me. I was rushed to the hospital unconscious this morning and had CPR done on me. I'm home now but have a headache, and I'm afraid to fall asleep. Then the email writer continues, I've tried to share the Lord with him, but he said he wasn't interested, because when he was a kid, his parents put him in some sort of strict religious school that turned him off towards God. He's only 44 and has diabetes, and needs a kidney transplant. His only relative, whom he's in relationship with, is his mother, who lives in another country. Please pass this on, and pray for him. Thanks. This email shows two things. It shows that this man doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, because when he was a kid, his parents put him in some sort of strict religious school that turned him off towards God. Now, normally when I hear that, what comes to mind is a distinction between law and gospel. A strict religious school would talk about that you are saved partially by your works or holy by your works and therefore you need to do good works in order to be saved i mentioned in sierra leone they had had a bible study and people were asked how do you know you're a christian and the majority of them said i know i'm a christian because i'm doing good works and I'm a better person now than I was before I became a Christian. And there was only one individual who said, I know I'm a Christian because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. When I hear strict religious school, I jump to the conclusion, which is often correct, that this is a school that tells you you're saved by what you do in contrast to a gospel school that teaches you're saved by what Jesus did. And so here is a man who's afraid of death, but he's not interested in hearing the message of Jesus Christ because of his past relationship with a legalistic school. Well, I would say that the way to get to this individual is ask him, how do you think you are saved according to the Christian faith? And I guarantee you will hear something along the lines that my behavior makes a difference. In fact, he's probably thinking that that he had a problem and had to be rushed to the hospital and cpr done on him plus he also is a diabetic and has the need of a kidney transplant that this is god getting even with him because of his sin well if that were true many christians who have diabetes or need surgery they would have to believe that God is getting even with them. That's not correct. And it's something that we need to share somehow with this individual. Now, I'm told his name is Mark, and the email asked us to pray for him. So let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, we come towards you on behalf of Mark who, because of a previous experience with a legalistic church, really isn't interested in Christianity. Help him to understand the work of Jesus in that he is saved by grace through faith and not on account of his works, so that he does not need to despair even were he to die he's 44 years old and may have many years ahead of him if he takes care of his health situation and so we ask him to receive a more positive outlook which only can come about with trust in the promises of Jesus Christ who died so that we will never really die In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And that's a possibility for each and every one of us. When we run into somebody who appears not to want to have anything to do with Christianity, it's often because they have a wrong view of Christianity. C.F.W. Walther made a point that I talked about some Wednesdays ago, where the message of the Bible is so wonderful. Why would anyone not want to believe that they're saved by grace? And his answer was, because this is such a great gift, people cannot imagine that they are not to contribute towards it. And therefore, when they think of how to contribute towards it, they remember their sin and think they have no chance of being saved. If you get that kind of an answer from a friend, a relative, a neighbor, then tell them that Jesus died in order that they don't have to depend on their works to be saved, that he paid the punishment for their sin and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts so we pray that there will be an opportunity to talk more with mark with this individual who wrote the email and that perhaps he may come to a proper understanding of christianity all right second email again this week good day pastor I grew up in an LCMS congregation, but my family only went to Sunday services. My question may be long because I want to cover all points for completeness sake. My question concerns the application of ashes on Ash Wednesday. The basic question is, what is the purpose? First, let me say that I'm not against applying ashes, I am only trying to gain a deeper understanding. I understand that on Ash Wednesday, many Christians will have ashes applied to their foreheads in the shape of a cross, which symbolizes penance, mourning, and mortality. Sometimes the ashes are worn throughout the day to publicly express their faith and penance. I would think that Holy Communion would be enough for the Christian to draw one to repentance and receive forgiveness. My concern is that applying ashes can be seen as a pious work of works righteousness, something we need to do to receive forgiveness. We do not participate in feet washing, as does the Church of Rome, I also am concerned that the application of ashes can be seen as a sacrament. I know that some people leave ashes on their foreheads after the service. They may have read and are attempting to follow Jesus' command in Matthew. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. This may be a misunderstanding of Matthew, because we do confess Jesus in our liturgy and our creeds. I apologize for the length, but wanted to cover all of the points. I appreciate your insight and explanation, yours in Christ, and then the email writer has his name. Well, quite a bit to talk about, and it's just not, in my opinion, the application of ashes. He is correct that many Christians have ashes applied to their foreheads in the shape of a cross, symbolizing their penance or repentance, their mourning over their sins, and their mortality. And sometimes the ashes are worn throughout the day to publicly express that faith and that repentance. Now, there is no doubt that in the history of the church, every now and then, and Ash Wednesday kind of began after the creation of the Nicene Creed, and that was in the 300s. And they began to have an Ash Wednesday service. And it was particularly noted for those who had left the church or had been engrossed in an unrepentant sin who desired to come back into the church and therefore. During the ceremony, ashes were put on their forehead to indicate their repentance of their past deeds. Now, I agree that Holy Communion is really something that does draw one to repentance and receive forgiveness. For example, we never distribute the Lord's Supper in a worship service, without a confession of sin, as well as the absolution on the part of the pastor. Why? Because that prepares us for the Lord's Supper properly. A lot of people, and I run into them, think that they're not worthy enough to receive the Lord's Supper. And I often will say something, okay, let's say you're driving a car and you have an accident and maybe you break your leg or there's bleeding and the ambulance comes up and you say to them, no, 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 don't take me to the hospital. I've been there and the emergency room is really a clean place. I don't want to make it dirty or unsterile. So let me go home and wash up and then we'll go to the hospital. Well, they may take you somewhere else besides the hospital with that kind of an attitude, because that's what hospitals are for for helping broken bones, bleeding, etc. And that's what the Lord's Supper is for. It's not prepared for those who are worthy to receive the Lord's Supper, it's prepared for those who recognize. Their sinful attitude, and and that's why we often would uh, at my congregation I served. We would occasionally do the matin service. Now matins, and it's a morning service, does not in the hymnal have the Lord's supper, but if it was a Sunday where we were having the Lord's supper after the beginning of the matins and the sermon we would then flip back to one of the services where there was a confession of sins and also the wonderful gift of the forgiveness of sins. And at that point, we would then go ahead and have the Lord's Supper. It's kind of like what John the Baptizer's task was. Remember, he came, according to the Old Testament, to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God and the gospel with the free forgiveness of sins. You couldn't pay for, you couldn't buy, there were no works you could do. But in order to receive the forgiveness of sins, one needed to be aware that they were a sinner. And that was the mission of John the baptizer. He would tell soldiers what they could do, what they couldn't do, and others. And I'm sure he did quite a bit of preaching on that to show that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God and said, I'm baptizing you with water. It's a kind of a ceremonial washing. But the one after me will baptize you with water and the Holy Spirit, which of course occurred at Pentecost. So, it is important that individuals recognize that they are sinners. And to put ashes on the forehead of someone in the form of a cross at a worship service is appropriate. And some may use the Matthew passage that when we acknowledge Jesus before others, then Jesus would acknowledge us before our Father in heaven. Now, he says this may be a misunderstanding of Matthew, and then gives a reason, because we do acknowledge Jesus in our liturgy, in our creeds, and I'm sure if you're a parent, you acknowledge Jesus to your children in bible studies in catechism etc so acknowledging jesus is not a negative thing if you don't put ashes on your forehead now in this particular situation i was about to well preach at four churches ash wednesday One of the churches canceled because of the snow and ice. But we did not put ashes on the people, and that was because of COVID-19. How are we to do that? Normally, the pastor would take the ashes, put them on his fingers, and draw a cross on the forehead of an individual. And even if you wore a glove, you know, each individual you'd have to touch, and then you touch the next individual. So in our churches that I'm involved with, we did not do Ash Wednesday. Now, there are some churches that did it a different way. Uh, One church took a Q-tip and put ashes on the end of it, and then put the form of the cross on a forehead. And... Some Roman Catholic priests, what they did, they sprinkled ashes on the foreheads of people in the form of a cross, not using or not touching them, therefore. I mean, we're in a situation now where not only are the pews separated by ropes so individuals don't get within six feet of one another But even in the churches where we sing the hymns, we encourage the people to definitely continue to wear the mask while they sing the hymns. And that's to make sure that others don't get it. Now, there are some who will not put ashes on their forehead. And that's on the basis, again, of a Matthew passage. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. Uh, Let me read this. And when you fast, and that often happens also, by the way, during Lent, people will not do things or eat things during Lent as a reminder of the wonderful gifts God has given us and how much suffering Jesus went through. At any rate, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, what's Jesus talking about? Well, their reward, and this is what the email writer was really referring to, that some people may put them the ashes on their forehead because it's a form of work righteousness so that they look good in the eyes of others because they're Christians. And it's not just to proclaim Jesus as their Savior. Now, that would be wrong. And yet the Pharisees did that they wore long robes, had items on their robes that made them important. And that's what Jesus is saying, that truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Then verse 17, Matthew 6, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Now, It's on the basis of that verse that when I did receive the form of a cross on my forehead with ashes during the worship service, I would wash my face before I went out into the public. It's on the basis of this verse, I did that. Now, other people may have a different interpretation because even though I may wash my face, and not have ashes on it remember i'm a pastor and i often am wearing a collar and so that makes it pretty clear that i am believing in jesus christ as lord and savior verse 17 says when you fast anoint your head and wash your face then verse 18 that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So what do we do with this? If someone feels, in my opinion, that keeping ashes on their forehead tempts them to look better in the eyes of others, then they should wash their forehead because we are not saved Our righteousness does not come about by good works. But if within the worship service, they feel that they want to have the ashes placed on them as a reminder to themselves that they are sinners in need of a savior, I don't have an objection to that. And I also don't have an objection to those who continue to wear ashes on their forehead because they know their true motivation in doing so. It's kind of like there was a truck driver, I was talking about the Lord's Supper, and mentioned that Luther, in arguing with Zwingli, to show that it was the true body and blood of Jesus Christ, quoted in the Latin, Jerome's Bible, the uh, Vulgate Uh, and it said, corpus meum, hoc es corpus meum, this is my body, not this pretends to be my body or figures to be my body. That truck driver put that on the side of his truck in the Latin, and people would ask him at the truck stops, what does that mean? And he had the opportunity to witness to Christ. So we are to pledge ourselves to Christ and witness to Him. but whether you put ashes on or keep them on, that's really a decision that you need to make, taking a look at your proper motivation. And that's really what long Gospel is all about. We can do many good works, but do we have the proper motivation? On Monday, we'll again be looking at a Bible passage for the second Sunday in Lent, and we'll show once more the importance of motivation in doing good works. Until then, God bless you.